0: Wake up, America! It's Morning Air with John Morales. Sí, señor. Sarah Tafoya.
1: Merry Christmas.
0: And Glenn Leverins. That's how I know.
2: This is Morning Air. On Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app.
3: Oh, it's Monday morning. We all sound like uh, that baby, perhaps, is about as much as we can muster. But we'll, we'll have to do more than that, and we will. We will. It's uh, Glenn and for John, along with Sarah today on Morning here. Thanks for joining us here on Relevant Radio and on the Relevant Radio app. Uh, This hour, we'll check in with Brian Gibson. We'll get the latest on the proliferation of the abortion pill across the U.S., including more so in some really big-name pharmacies. He's got the very latest on that for us as well. What's it like to parent a middle schooler? A story about that for our, our story corner today. We'll get back at it in a variety of ways and, you know, talk a little bit about the the sadness of maybe starting to take down some Christmas decorations over the weekend. Glad to have you along, Sarah. Good morning. Glad to have you back. Hope you're feeling well today.
0: I am feeling wonderful. Thank you, Glenn, for asking. Uh, yeah, it's been a good weekend. Now we're happy to get back into the 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 stream of things here on the radio.
3: Back to uh, back to school in full force for kids. It seemed like uh, you know, in parts of the Upper Midwest, with so much snow last week. Uh, Christmas vacation got extended just a little bit, but we are looking, ladies and gentlemen, at a full week of school, a full week of work. I hope we can power through and do this. And plus, we have to get back to it now, as uh, you know, we've maybe taken down the Christmas stuff over the weekend. uh, A lot of people did or started to do that. Our tree came down, a lot of stuff got. Put away, and that ended up being a lot more exercise for one than I anticipated. I think by the time I sat down to watch a little football uh, later (laughs) later in the evening, and then and then when you get up after that, huh? I must have done something now. How about you? Have you guys started that task yet?
0: Well, uh, you know, there is—it's a very slow and long process. I feel (laughs) in our house because there's a lot of different nooks and crannies that you forget that you put a decoration in. That you know, months later, you're like, "Oh, how did I miss this one?" So we did. We did. We have a couple things that are down, but we still have like the tree up and all the ornaments, and so it's it's going to take us a while. I think a couple of weeks to probably try to get everything down. But man, it is such a sad thing to do after such an exciting and wonderful and joyous um, season, preparing for Christmas and then the Christmas season, all those lights and decorations up, man, does the house look boring after that. So I'm never in a real big rush to kind of get that down because it kind of is back, to, like you said, back to business as usual. It's it's not, it's not no fun anymore.
3: Oh, I know. I know. The house looks different. I like a tree in there. Hmm, i got to you know, figure out something to do. But uh, anyway, well, here to cheer us up in the midst of that that tough job of uh, changing seasons a little bit and talking about the reason for that with the baptism of the Lord. He's a cheerful guy. Always happy to have along, Father Jeremy Plouffe, out of the Diocese of St. Cloud, Minnesota. Father, good morning, and uh, happy not Christmas decoration time anymore.
2: <laughs> good morning, Glenn. I was trying to think of what I should say to you, like merry end of the
3: Christmas season, I guess. Yeah, we've been saying "Merry Christmas" and "Happy New Year" for a very long time, which is uh, which is just fine. And uh, now that we are kind of switching out, uh, you can be here to 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 lead us into the proper liturgical greeting for one another.
2: Yes. Well, you know, it, I, I'll, I'll second what the two of you are saying. Uh, with uh, the end of the Christmas season is is a bit of a sad thing. So, like, you know, what? it it never seems to be quite as long as as, as it could be. You know, just it, it seems to go so fast with so many events happening so quickly. And I think this year, especially with Christmas Day being on a Sunday, it just seems to truncate the season all the more. And, and so it is sad to so quickly say goodbye to such a wonderful season and such a wonderful time of the year, and, and then to just get right back into ordinary time and, and lots and lots to do. Uh, but you know, it, it's fun, though, that the church doesn't send us away with, with just no ceremony, and we're starting off today with the Feast of the Baptism of the Lord, which, which is a really great way to say, you know what, we're moving on from the Christmas season into ordinary time, and to get us started, the Church gives us this great day.
3: Absolutely, and uh, we celebrate baptisms, right, whether it's in the family or another one at church, always fun to see often the, the babies, right, uh, how uh, how they giggle and squirm or cry when they, uh, they get the water on them, but uh, we think of our Lord baptized as an adult, but uh, we're going to dive into that, no pun intended, a little bit uh, with <laughs> the, the work of John the Baptist, and uh, John was surprised that he was called upon to do this. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's, it's
2: um, in, in the different accounts of the gospel, it, it's interesting how that plays out. In this year's account, we'll be reading from St. Matthew's edition of it. And it, it's, it's pretty straightforward how Matthew's uh, re- recollection of the event, St. John the Baptist, just, just all, almost uh, in a perfunctory way or almost in a too direct a way, says to Christ, like, what are you doing? I, I need you to help me. I can't possibly do anything to help you. And it's it's a very nice just reminder for all of us of like, you know, as much as we want to serve Christ, as much as we want to help the church, as much as we want to do all of these things, it's we rely on the grace coming from our baptism, the grace that Christ gives us from our baptism. That's where our help comes. And and so when St. John the Baptist just says pretty directly in this year's gospel, I need to be baptized by you, and yet you are coming to me? It, it, it's just a fun reminder for all of us to say that it's 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 a bit of both, where we need Christ's help, and yet it's our job to serve Christ as well.
3: Is it really a good example, too, of how we're called to cooperate with God in, in making things happen as the Lord would have it?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think of what St. Paul talks about in his letters, where he says, I make up in my own life what is lacking in the suffering of Christ. and And, and of course, with that, Little statement, you know, St. Paul is not saying Christ was imperfect or insufficient or anything like that. But but to your point, Glenn, to your point, it, it's our job now to, to pick up and do our own part to, to serve Christ and help others come
3: closer to Christ and build the city on earth to, to mirror the city in heaven. Talking to Father Jeremy Plouf today about the baptism of our Lord as we move ahead in the liturgical seasons. Here, as we put away some of the, the Christmas things, but looking at the baptism of our Lord and, uh, and how that was necessary, also necessary for the story uh, in, in terms of uh, again fulfillment of prophecy. Right, right.
2: You know, and and it seems all too quick that that the infancy narratives in the Gospel just sort of come to their abrupt end. And, and I think of you know in the parishes where. You know, we see new parents just really relishing and enjoying those early years of, of having their young child, and, and knowing that, that Mary and, and St. Joseph had that time with, with little infant Christ as well, but also seeing when you get the older parents, you know, whether it's adolescents or teenagers, and those older parents seem to say the years just fly by, It just fly by so fast uh, with, with all the things going on in the family. It seems that the gospels are, are that same way, where we have a little bit of stories of of the young young Christ, and then all of a sudden uh, we the years just fly by, and Christ is is an adult and and off to do his ministry, and it, it seems it just goes by so quickly, and so it's it's really fun uh, when the church gives us like not only the holiday of the feast of the baptism of the Lord, but all, also just to see in the gospels how. Christ's life really does you know give insights to our own lives where the those young years of Christ and the gospels seem to be absent and and it mirrors our own lives where it just like our adolescent and teenage years just fly by and all of a
3: sudden it's off to being an adult. Well, off to being an adult, uh, but for our Lord he'd been an adult for a while by then, but uh you know uh, getting closer to really going to town with the ministry that he was called to do. Uh, a good occasion as well, <clears throat> excuse me, with our Lord's baptism to talk about uh, maybe refreshing us on on the great power of baptism, too.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And and you know, I, I can't help but think uh, of, since we just uh, saw the funeral mass for Pope Emeritus Benedict, one of the things that uh, Pope Benedict talked about a lot, uh, both when he was Cardinal Ratzinger and Pope Benedict Sixteenth, is that how our baptism puts us on a level playing field with the greatest of saints. And when we look back at the history of the church and we see like those monumental figures or even more recently, like St. Mother Teresa of Calcutta, uh, Pope Benedict XVI would talk about, you were baptized the same as they were. And so there's nothing stopping you from being the greatest saint as well. And I think that's that's really, really inspiring. It's the first sacrament we all get. And then just to hear that nice reminder, you know, any saint that you can think of, the greatest saint, the saint that inspires you the most, got their start by getting baptized. And, and, and that's what's so moving for me, I think, too, when I baptize, whether it's an infant throughout the year or, or maybe at the Easter vigil where we baptize adults. It's, it's so inspiring to say, like, okay, you now have the same opportunity as the greatest saints, any doctor of the church, from your baptism, you're on level playing field with those great saints. And like, let's not miss the chance to step up to the plate
3: and do the same types of things that those great saints did way well, we have listeners who may have been baptized as adults, certainly most likely had small children in the family baptized as well. And of course, being in the baptism business as a priest, talk a little bit about maybe some of the experiences or stories of people who've been baptized as adults, coming to realize the the sin wiping away power of baptism.
2: Absolutely, and it's it's really marvelous when when we're going through the preparation, usually RCIA, the Rite of Christian Initiation for Adults, and and you can see the change over those weeks of getting people ready for their baptism as an adult, to, where, where like you can almost see the wheels turning in their head of like, oh, I get it. I get it now. Like I have a brand new start and, and a, a new opportunity that shouldn't be wasted. It's really, really inspiring. And for me, like when I've done RCIA and you see those last couple of days before the actual baptism, it, it's almost an urgency that you can see in, in most people. Like, I, I really want to get baptized. I'm so excited. I can't wait. And it's almost like I, I have to be sure that, that I look both ways before I cross the street because I don't want anything to happen to me before this <laughs> baptism. And it, and it is, you know, more often than not, tears uh, when you actually have the baptism of adults. Uh, because they recognize and they have the full maturity to be able to understand, here's what's happening right now, here's what's going on. And, and I just wonder, like, when, when you hear about stories of other saints like St. Saint Augustine, who had who had a big conversion later in life, to wonder, like, is this something similar to what they went through? And, and so then, like, you, you find, like, in the weeks that follow, the Easter vigil and the baptism of adults, like this really exciting fervor where they they, want to use all this energy and really make use of the grace they received in the sacrament of baptism to do all they can in their own life for their families and
3: for the church. You know, we can see where that that full immersion would, uh, you know, kind of symbolize for some just, you know, that big change as an adult to kind of appreciate it. But yet baptism counts, right, with just a few drops of water. Uh, if some of our non-Catholic friends might ask about that, uh, what's the best answer we can give them of the, the power is in, in the word, and in the, in the water, but in not the volume of the water?
2: Yeah, ab- absolutely. I, I think of the story of, of St. Philip in Acts of the Apostles where they're just sort of driving by and and, and they, they see uh, uh, some water. And it's a little unclear, like, is this a giant lake or is this a small puddle? And what are we going to be able to do and from there, you just sort of hope, like, well, there, if, if, if you have a giant lake, is your baptism more effective than if you have a small puddle, right? If, if, at some point, we have to say, you know, we have water. And, and that's what the, the Acts of the Apostles story tells us. Look, here is water. What is to prevent me from being baptized? And, and that's where I go, right there in the Acts of the Apostles. Look, here's water. What is to prevent me from being baptized? And it's kind of fun in, in seminary when we study each one of the sacraments in great detail. One of the questions comes up like, well, what happens if you only have a small amount of water? What would it count to say like, well, all we can find is the dew on the grass. Is that good enough? And, and I, I think the point is here, what are we doing to be able to have baptism? And, and the Acts of the Apostles story just simply says, Look, here is water. What is to prevent me from being baptized? Sounds like if you got water,
3: you got something good enough. Talking the baptism of our Lord and baptism in general with Father Jeremy Plouffe joining us for Morning Air this morning here on Relevant Radio and on the Relevant Radio app. Uh, oh, I think a wonderful little tangent, Father. You talked about people maybe going through RCIA looking to be baptized for the first time as an adult. The excitement of that. I know uh, coming into the church as an adult as well. That excitement to be able to participate in uh, receiving the Eucharist for the first time. Uh, you kind of all right, already, I've been doing this for, you know, almost a year now, can I have my turn? And, uh, but to take advantage maybe of that uh, people that develop that, that hunger. And maybe that's part of that, that good, long, and deliberate process of coming into the church as well with RCIA. And uh, anybody that has uh, people in their parish going through that right now is kind of the middle of the school year, maybe the middle of their process of doing that too, uh, to keep encouraging them along the way and, uh, kind of fuel that excitement that they might have to receive the sacraments.
2: You know, absolutely. And I think that's part of the point as well is, is uh, to, to, to show them what the greatness is. I mean, I, I think if you were going to say to uh, any school kid of like, hey, why don't we just give you your high school diploma now? Uh, not only would they not be ready for it, they don't have the knowledge of it. There's also like you wouldn't appreciate it if, if we're just like, well, you know, I'm sure you'll be good enough, you know, to have this diploma eventually. So we're just going to give it to you right now. Uh, the sacraments, of course, are a bit different because we don't earn the sacrament of baptism. There's nothing we can do to say we deserve the sacrament of baptism or deserve the sacrament of the Eucharist. But but in in our training, in our prep, and in, in our teaching about what the sacraments do and what grace does for us, you're absolutely you're absolutely right, Glenn. In, in that we we build up that hunger, and 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 it's just sort of a natural thing of, of you know, sir, give us this bread always. Uh, to be able to say, uh, yes, the more I learn about what baptism does, the more someone will want it. The more we learn about what the Eucharist is and what it does, the more we'll desire it. And that's really exciting to see in that usually a, a year-long RCIA process.
3: Well, as far as the the, the common way for baptism, uh, infant baptism, uh, we long to see those little ones as, as soon as... Basically possible. Talk a little bit about uh, even some of the the basic guidelines of what's recommended, what age for the little ones, and uh, not not waiting too long, etc.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Excuse me. Absolutely. It's one of those things of when people in the parish uh, inform me that, yes, they've given birth to their child, you know, there's congratulations, of course, are in order. Is everyone healthy? Wonderful. And then not that long afterwards, of course, we just mentioned to them, yes, let's plan, let's plan the baptism, let's make sure we get you, mom and dad, into, you know, baptism prep work, and then let's put the baptism on the calendar just as soon as we can.
3: Uh, And it's, it's
2: a really exciting thing, not only for the parents to sort of say, like, yes, you know, we baptized our child, but it's also something for the extended family, which, of course, includes the church family to say, like, look at this, how wonderful the church is growing. We have a new Christian now. In baptism. And so I, I'm always more than happy to congratulate parishioners when they tell me like they're expecting a child, congratulate them again when they inform me like, yes, the child has been born, and then right away to say like, hey, you know what, more than happy to help you out with scheduling the baptism. Let's get it on the calendar, let's get your family and friends together, and let's get the church presence to you so that we can have this baptism I, I, I do hope that, that no, no priest across the globe comes off as pushy in doing this. I certainly hope that, but in an excited way, I always say, like, let's get this on the calendar. Even if we have to wait two months or three for that date to actually show up, let's get it on the calendar right now so we can all start
3: planning on making sure that your child is baptized and the church has a new member. Important the child, of course, get baptized, but also part of the consideration is right that uh, there is the, the, the very real hope the child will be brought up in the faith. Yes, you know, and, and that's
2: still, even with the revised rite of baptism that we received uh, the other year, it's still part of the beginning of the baptism when, when we formally ask in the baptism liturgy, you know, what name do you give your child? And then the next thing, once we receive the child's name and the child is presented to the church. Uh, we inform the parents, like, in asking to have this child baptized, this is not simply a, a ceremony we're doing for fun. You know, this is a serious right of the Church, where we're saying from this commitment, you are, you parents and you godparents as well, are also making a commitment that you will teach the child to keep the commandments as Christ has taught us, to bring the child to Sunday Mass without fail, and to be the best of examples. And, and it's almost a scary, daunting thing that the church is asking of these parents to say, you know, you're going to be with this child more than anyone else, and we're counting on you, moms and dads, to be the best examples year in and year out of how to be a great Christian. And, and that's certainly a weighty responsibility, but something that the church is always there to support
3: you with. Now, Father, I've had the opportunity and the beautiful privilege to be a a godparent several times over. Uh, Any particular thoughts about that before we go, too, that it's more than just, uh, you know, playing a role for a day? You know, absolutely,
2: and I'm so glad you said that, Glenn. You know, being a godparent doesn't mean that, hey, I get to be in the picture uh, with the newly baptized kid, and that's good enough. It is, similarly to a parent, a way to. Responsibility, and not just one where it's like, well, I guess on birthdays and Christmas I have to give a gift to that kid since I'm the godfather or godmother. It is similar to parents. You know, you know, you are committing to saying, I'm going to help you be a better Christian by my words, example, by what I show you. I'm going to be committed to teaching you how to be a better Christian, training you how to be a better Christian. I mean, it's really sort of like the child is your intern for all those years of growing up, and then you are supervising the, the ongoing education. And it, it, again, a weighty responsibility, but hopefully a fun one as well, where you can plan events where whether we're just going to have a fun afternoon, but our conversation can continually be punctuated by like, hey, let's talk about the faith. Hey, let me just say I noticed you doing something that you shouldn't be doing. Hey, can I correct you in that? as a good godparent ought to do. It really is something that can
3: support the parents in being Christian parents, and of course, make a huge difference in the kid's life as well. Oh, let's make the most of that opportunity. Uh, we always love to make the most of the opportunity having you as a guest, Father Jeremy Plouffe, joining us from the Diocese of St. Cloud today for a look at our Lord's Baptism and more. We continue with Morning Air. Up around the corner, Brian Gibson, the latest on the proliferation of the abortion pill and some big-name pharmacies across the U.S. That uh, and some positive spins on uh, what's going on in the world of uh, saving those young lives. That's next, plus a new story corner all before the hour is through as Morning Air continues here next on Morning Air on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. This
0: is Morning Air, your home for faith, fun, and news in the morning. Jump
2: into the conversation. Call 888-914-9149.
3: Good morning. Thanks for joining us. Morning Air is on here on Relevant Radio and on the Relevant Radio app. Glenn and Sarah in for John today. Thank you so much for joining us. Still to come this hour, a story about being a parent of a middle schooler. It's not a Halloween show. That can be a scary thing. (laughs) It's an early early January show. Sarah, in my hot little hand here, I have a a 50-year-old piece of cardboard. And no, it's not an old box. It might have come in a box. It might have come in a package wrapped tightly next to some brittle but beautiful smelling bubblegum because it is a 50-year-old Minnesota Twins Harmon Killebrew baseball card right here in my hot little hand. The corners aren't too bent, so I should be careful. That might make it worth a little bit more as we talk for just a minute about collecting stuff. How about that? This is a pretty good – your <laughs> husband would be impressed, you, wouldn't he? Do huh? you
0: have a glove on? That seems like that's
3: <laughs> – you should, you should be in a
0: storage unit with, like, a steam vent or something, like a bright light or something that's keeping it in good condition. I don't know. <laughs> I hope it's not the hand you had breakfast with, with uh, just the crumbs and stuff on there. That doesn't seem like that's safe there, Glenn.
3: (laughs) Well, you know, I kept them in a shoebox forever. And then, you know, I know the series collectors, they've got the little, even the little hard plastic cases for each individual card that can be worth hundreds, sometimes thousands of dollars or sometimes, you know, 50 cents if they're the guy nobody's heard of and there's a lot of those laying around. But uh, it's some kind of collector day today, is it?
0: Yeah, this month is uh, collector's month. It's a, it's a month dedicated to uh, hobbies and collecting things. And man, that is, is it a pastime that I think everyone has some sort of experience with. My husband, like you mentioned, he, he collected those uh, baseball cards. Now, I thought those packets were good for one thing, and that was that piece of stale gum that was sitting around in there for who knows how long on the shelf, and somehow still managed to keep your uh, keep the your jaw in good good shape with all that extra exercise, but it. They can be good for, for you know, saving money later on if you've kept it in good condition and you said, if it was somebody who happened to actually do well and get good stats and you got those good cards, you can go Moms places. Moms of
3: America, do not throw those baseball cards away. You might have a few quarters worth of tuition there, for sure. We're not talking <laughs> the metallic quarters, but uh, quarters of school. At least uh, a couple of
0: books, maybe, right? Y- yeah. <laughs> How about
3: you now? If it wasn't the baseball cards, uh, what did young Sarah like to collect and hang uh, on to? Yeah,
0: you know what? I, I did collect... uh. Books. So there's certain series of books that I was into, and I did keep a good collection of that. And uh, I guess I, I was into it and not into it. I didn't have like a serious hobby that I was into for a good period of time. But when I was, when I what you know, went through the little spurts where I was into something. Now, Goosebumps was a thing I was really into. So a good collection of those books, which I uh, have been trying to get my some of my kids to listen, to read and listen to the the stories with of that because I, I just was always into something that was scary. I don't know what. The- I don't know what that is, uh, but yeah, that was one of my hobbies. I would say now my hobby is collecting children's artwork, and it's very difficult task because you, you might need some of those same storage units uh, that you would have for those baseball cards. For some of this artwork, it feels yeah, like, absolutely. <laughs> Hang on to
3: some of that. You might have a future Picasso there, and those could be uh, worth even more than a fifty-year-old Harmon Killebrew card. But uh, you know, we chatted for a minute before the show about about this and. I didn't even figure baseball cards were like a hobby. That was just, uh, that was what you did as a little boy back then. Although hobbies, I remember my mom wanting to get me started on stamp collecting. And, uh, you know, this is back when uh, now stamp, each stamp you'd buy at the post office today worth as much as a, a rookie card from 20 years ago for a future <laughs> Hall of Famer, perhaps. But when I started, they were five cents. and uh, But you get this starter kit you send away, and they've got all these odd stamps from around the world. And. As a little Lutheran kid growing up, I have to admit, my first hearing of a place called Vatican City was because of stamp collecting. And so look at that, pointing toward my eventual faith all those years ago. But thank you anyway, Harmon Killerbrew. Hey, we want to say thanks for your time, for joining us this morning. Brian Gibson, Executive Director of Pro-Life Action Ministries. They do and teach the sidewalk counseling offices based out of Orlando, Florida and St. Paul, Minnesota, but uh, worldwide, Effect, they're saving youngsters as that last line of defense. Brian, any uh, any great hobbies or baseball cards that uh, you have from the old days?
1: Oh my goodness, the things that I collected as a kid—I wish I still had. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, 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 nothing kept in, into adulthood, unfortunately. But you know, growing growing up in a large family, I've got uh, uh, seven brothers and a sister, and growing up with a lot of younger brothers, uh, those those things that uh, us older brothers would have been collecting,
3: either got handed down or Got destroyed by the <laughs> brothers. So, so long gone. Well, all right. Well, let me carefully put away this probably expensive Harmon Killebrew card here, and we'll begin to uh, talk about what we uh, brought to you here to talk about a little bit today. Not as a uh, happy or fond of memory as, as baseball cards, but the sad and current reality of a place we might go to buy baseball cards—the local pharmacy or uh, you know, it was a convenience store when I was a kid to, to snap up those cards. But as easy to find as baseball cards now—that abortion pill.
1: Yes, um, this past week, um, the FDA relaxed the rules once again uh, on on how the abortion pill or the uh, medication abortion, is sometimes called chemical abortion, uh, how how this is being dispensed. And uh, and and really, what was kind of shocking is is that it was announced by Danco Laboratories and not the FDA at first. And this is uh, Danco is the manufacturer of the abortion pill. And uh, they made the initial announcement that, the, that there had been approval by the FDA for retail pharmacies to sell uh, this deadly drug, it's intended to kill babies, so it's a very deadly drug, um, that it could be sold by prescription through through these uh, retail pharmacies. And uh, shortly after that, the FDA did make its own announcement, posting by a website, not, not anything else. Uh, CVS and Walgreens have picked this up. They've already both uh, made their announcements that they are going to be fulfilling these uh, chemical abortion prescriptions uh, through their their chain and their network. And uh, so it's just one more large effort um, through the Biden administration, in essence, to make abortion more widely available. Uh, part of this is based, according to the FDA, on the, the concept of mail-order abortions and allowing for prescriptions to be set by individual doctors or by these, uh, well, I guess even even with these online doctors or individuals, but by doctors, whether it's in-person or online, and then uh, be able to go pick it up at your
3: local drugstore. Mm. You know, in in some of this, the uh, proliferation of these started during COVID times, where some of the rules were relaxed, and uh, a lot of those stayed relaxed, didn't they?
1: Well, they they it's been up and down. So they were relaxed partly because of a federal judge's decision back in uh, dur- during the height of the COVID pandemic, um, and then uh, uh, it, that was overruled by the U.S. Supreme Court. And then when Biden came into office, uh, these rules started getting re-relaxed and then going well beyond what they were even during the covid period
3: Mm. with you know covid kind of the springboard to let's keep this going in a bigger and stronger way talk about too the danger of well we'll talk literally about the the danger of an abortion through chemical means but the fact that uh, 54 percent of abortions and that number is growing are done this way now yeah, I, I believe that number
1: is 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 low, uh, very low. Because usually these numbers that we're talking about are coming from uh, the, the FDA's reports are six months old. Uh, the CDA's reports are two years old. Uh, we've been watching the numbers grow uh, rather rapidly over the past several years. Certainly, again, the pandemic accelerated all that uh, to, to a great degree, and uh, so. I I know in the states where reports are a little more thorough than they are in the rest of the country and where they um, where they come out much quicker, Minnesota being one of those where I live, uh, we're seeing that we're in the 60 to 62 percent range for the abortion pill as of 2021, the end of 2021. So uh, 2022, we, we just have to guess that it's just increased that much more.
3: Talk about the challenges posed uh, to groups like yours. You do sidewalk counseling. So important to be that last line of defense as uh, women physically walk toward those abortion centers. Minds are changed. Babies are saved. Thousands of children saved, uh, let alone countless generations from those children over the years. But uh, now in this world of more and more abortions being done, Uh, sort of quietly at home uh, with an abortion pill. What are some of the new strategies to to help women realize the choice for life is the right choice?
1: Well, that is the challenge. How do you reach out to women who never go to an abortion facility where we have traditionally been for the past almost 42 years uh, outside these facilities uh, praying and, and reaching out to them? Um, And and I think that's the challenge that that the whole pro-life movement is still struggling with with this uh, Serious increase in the use of the abortion pill uh, Especially with these type of things happening at the FDA that allow it to be done um, so, you know completely behind closed doors and um, It it ends up being we need we need to be able to reach out to the women in in new ways We need to reach out to them via the internet and and and, advertising and things like that, that for the pro-life movement that struggles to raise enough money to exist sometimes, uh, those, those are far more expensive
3: means of trying to communicate. Talk about the, the, the need uh, for equipping women often, but anybody, to be able to discuss with friends and those close enough in their circle that might share an unplanned pregnancy with them to be able to talk about the reasons for choosing life.
1: Well, yes, and that, that uh, is part of the strategy, of course, is, is word of mouth. Is, is something that we can do uh, without much expense involved and, and can be done widely. And uh, teaching at, at churches and in, in other social circles where we have the opportunity to, to teach is, is a very important factor. The, I think the number one issue is that with the abortion pill in particular, that even if a woman takes the first pill, it can be reversed and it's a simple process it's a time uh, it, it's become a very uh, 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 powerful option where there are literally been thousands of babies that have been saved since this concept first came into into use just uh, five or six years ago um, so the abortion pill reversal and it's easy to get to there's a there's a website called abortionpillreversal.com uh, so that's one thing the other thing is, is though is to uh, you know, if we know that somebody is thinking about having an abortion, whether they've actually decided to, to do it or not, they're at the point where they're considering it, they're pondering it. Um, our work as followers of Jesus Christ is to offer them love and hope and truth, and not necessarily in that order. Truth and hope and love may be the order, but the, the, we need to be able to tell them that, that we will help them. Ourselves, you, myself, anybody would be willing to step up. That our churches will help. That there's, uh, I know, overwhelmingly uh, parishes and dioceses across the United States have made very clear uh, uh, statements that they will care for anyone who's in a position where they need help. Pregnancy help centers are, uh, you know, they outnumber the abortion facilities by by something like ten to one or some number like that. So. Uh, there's a large number of pregnancy help centers all across the United States where you could always get information. Bring a woman to get that free pregnancy test, get the ultrasound done, and and then offer all the support that that the woman needs. So it really comes down to is is being a good,
3: willing person to offer the love of God and to stand true about the unborn. Brian Gibson with Pro-Life Action Ministries is with us this morning on Morning Air here on Relevant Radio giving us the truth about the abortion pill. We'll talk about that survey out of Italy that shows how truly dangerous it is. That and more when we continue next here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app.
0: This is Morning Air, your home for faith, fun, and news in the morning.
3: morning air continues it's Glenn hanging out with Sarah and for John today and we continue our conversation with Brian Gibson executive director of pro-life action ministries they've done sidewalk counseling taught others to be able to do the same to be that that last minute line of defense talking about dealing with the landscape of abortion pills with increasing popularity and increasing availability across the U.S. including some big-name pharmacies like Walgreens And CVS as well. Uh, One quick thing before we talk a little more about that Italian study of the dangers of uh, doing chemical abortions, Brian, uh, when we talk about that ability to reverse uh, the effects of that first pill and the two-part, two-pill process, it just really speaks, doesn't it, to what a fine line it is with the women ready to make or not that life-or-death decision.
1: Oh yes it is. It's a very fine line and, and again it's, you know, just like as we have done for so long before this abortion pill started being used, uh, being out there, as you kept, keep saying the last line of defense, but being present at that last moment before a woman goes in to have, have an abortion, uh, the abortion pill reversal is doing that again, where the process has even begun with that first pill. But uh, but because this, uh, this regimen that's been developed by the abortion pill uh, or the reversal network that uh that they're capable of uh, aiding women and negating the effects of that first pill and saving that baby's life
3: but in in the whole process, I imagine you're never far from realizing what a a narrow Fine line it is that these women are walking that are sort of but not completely abortion minded and you know There is that moment that they need to decide that make make that decision that life-or-death decision and obviously being on the sidewalk uh, Is one of those ways to help them in that that literal moment? Well, yeah, and I I think it's important to understand for everybody to understand that the woman's not thinking
1: life or death she's thinking about her her situation or circumstances The reasons why she cannot go forward with a baby in her life, that's all she's thinking about. So getting past that, getting her to think beyond that and to understand the life of that child that's within her is is the key to, to saving most lives when we're either on the sidewalk or even doing any other place where you're able to reach out to the woman.
3: Mm -hmm. Absolutely beautiful and necessary work to be done. Hey, let's talk, as we promised, a little bit about the the effects of this survey from Italy, talking about how dangerous it is for the woman as well, of course, as, as the baby with chemical abortions.
1: Well, first, I think it's important to understand that we don't have studies like this done in the United States. And this has been something we have seen when it comes to looking at the negative effects of abortion, the complications to abortion studying it has never been truthfully done in the United States. You have to go to places like Italy and and even Eastern Europe to start seeing these. But in in Italy, though, they've had several studies on this. The latest one, an observational study, is showing that uh, 40% of women experience severe pain when undergoing uh, the abortion pill abortion. So uh, a, a Again, this, this, this large number of previous studies done in 2015 and 16 uh, were very similar, a little bit higher at that time with regard to severe pain, but still well within the same range as this current 40% number that, uh, that came up. And um, I, I just I think of, I, I think maybe many of the listeners saw the movie unplanned, and there's a scene in the movie, and it just comes to my mind very quickly, of when Abby Johnson is in her own bathroom, Undergoing an abortion pill abortion, and um, and and I've been told by medical professionals that the depiction of the pain and the the, uh, the turmoil she's going through in her own bathroom is is very accurate. And uh, so here we have studies that are showing it as well.
3: Mm. It, that movie portrays it in just a, a horrifying way. And, uh, you know, once again, reminding people this this is not an aspirin. You know, you just take it and the headache goes away. You know, the pregnancy goes away like a headache would go away. Not at all. And, uh, you know, we know the abortion industry, very callous, which the, with, which the way they, they handle so many aspects of, of what is done. And, and this, as callous as they get, you know, here's here's something that allows you to go through this horror movie yourself at home. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. And,
1: you know, it, 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 and it's not just that there, there can be horrible pain, there can be far greater complications to this. Um, and this is where the problem comes in, where the FDA is allowed for mail order abortions and being uh, delivered through uh, the pharmacies, the, the local pharmacy and so forth, is, is that the complications to this include death. And if the conditions of the woman are not identified in this pregnancy properly, such as the topic pregnancy, as well as other cases with Rh factor with the blood and so forth, it can be fatal. Uh, we know that there are at least 28 reported deaths by abortion pill uh, as of June 30th, 2022, according to the FDA. Um, those are ones that have been reported that we know of, and so. Uh, you know, uh, the and and the complications are just great and multiple, and it's far more dangerous than even a surgical abortion.
3: Mm. And again, to be done on one's own, so often abortion mm-hmm. providers kind of licking their chops at the ability to think of this—the abortion pill pluripolar. Uh, I've said it pretty well so far, proliferation uh, across the country into states where abortion now, since the overturning of Roe v. Wade is now illegal, uh, licking their chops at this ability to, to get that in there. Uh, that's uh, currently possible in some states, but not all states. Texas, which for long has been a great pro-life leader as far as states go, is outlawing this, aren't they?
1: Well, the laws in Texas that have been written so far uh, prohibit even the uh, these pharmacies from being able to pr- uh, to provide prescription filling of of these abortion pills. So in Texas, this won't be happening. Other states, like I I know in South Dakota, that there are some very severe limitations on the use of the abortion pill. So I don't know that they can be done through the pharmacies in in South Dakota. I I would believe they cannot. Uh, I would imagine there's several other states as well that are similar, where they've already passed legislation that uh, either restricted or ban it entirely and therefore it's not going to be sold within their state Now women can readily you know whether it's leaving the state to go to a border state for an abortion like is happening in our state where they come to Minnesota from the surrounding states or uh, if if they're getting it through an internet supplier uh, they may be just getting it by mail and nobody knows and that's that's where I think the abortion industry is really, Uh, looking at this is why they they wanted they pushed this they got it through the FDA Um, just you know if you're doing it mail order how does anybody know it's been mailed to this person's home even if it's in the heart of Texas and uh, and so this is this is going to be a a big challenge for the pro-life movement uh, in the coming years.
3: Uh, with just a couple minutes left, Brian, uh, asking you to, to look ahead. We're just a couple of weeks away from the, uh, the traditional National National March for Life. Uh, that'll look a little different this year. Uh, it was a, a big year for life in the past year, but some new challenges and even stronger challenges in some states are on the horizon. Uh, what, uh, what's uh, coming up as far as you look ahead to 2023?
1: Well, I think uh, uh, there's going to be a lot of efforts in states across the United States to either overturn already in place bans on abortion in, in the 15, 14, 15 states that have that right now. There's going to be efforts to, uh, to solidify abortion in the states that have already stated that they want to continue uh, with, with full-on abortion, New York, California, Minnesota, Illinois, and so forth. Um, and, and then the states that are kind of in between right now where the, 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 the efforts in those individual states are just going to be uh, just turned up quite a bit uh, as far as the need to try and pass legislation to protect life. Um, and, of course, those that are seeking to end lives will be increasing their efforts as well.
3: Also to take heart, too, uh, even though the the states where it is legal, uh, sometimes it's more legal than it was even before the overturning of Roe v. Wade, thanks to to certain judges. But uh, the overall number of abortions, uh, you know, anything that disrupts that process of just, uh, you know, a quick, you know, couple block ride to the the local abortion center, anything that disrupts that process, uh, including states outlawing it altogether, of course, uh, saves lives.
1: Absolutely. And and the state of Texas is reporting that virtually no abortions are taking place within its borders. Now, I don't know how accurate that part of that information is, but we're talking about thousands and thousands of babies a month that are being saved, if that's true. Hmm.
3: Great news there. And uh, that's something. And, and another thing, too, and we've yeah. talked about this through the years, as we've had a great occasion to talk uh, with you and, and the work you do through Pro-Life Action Ministries, is no matter what the law says, People will still seek out abortion, whether it's legal or not, in a, in a given spot. And so ultimately, we need to win those, those hearts and minds.
1: Yes, we do. And, and that's where uh, an all-out effort of, of people being willing to share the truth about the unborn and about life and about hope and about God, uh, the more we do that, the, the more lives we save.
3: Well, Brian, thanks for your great work with Pro-Life Action Ministries. Uh, Again, doing the sidewalk counseling, teaching others to do the same, uh, being a powerful speaker for life, and uh, doing whatever it takes now in the new environment as well to to save those young lives uh, for future generations as well. And uh, always a pleasure. Uh, Find out more at PLAM.org. That's PLAM.org. Morning Air continues now on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app with a look at today's Story Corner. Our story today comes from Love What Matters, called Parenting a Middle Schooler, is like realizing in the middle of the day when your child is at school that she probably forgot to make sure her black pants are clean for the band concerts, which is tonight. And then thinking to yourself, well, I'm not bailing her out. That was her responsibility. If her pants are dirty, they're dirty. But then thinking, ugh, she's such a good kid and she's allowed to forget things. Followed by... But what lessons am I teaching her if I save her in every situation like this? But also, my mom would have totally saved me and washed my pants and I turned out to be a well-adjusted, fully-functioning, independent adult. However you did, remind her multiple times and no one appreciates all the 900 things that you do for them all day around here. But you'll stress over this all day knowing you could have just washed them and avoided the drama later. So, after all that, you go upstairs and rifle through her laundry, and sure enough, you find her black pants at the bottom of the pile, so you toss them into the washing machine. And you feel better knowing that she'll be ready for tonight's. But you also have every intention of making sure that she hears about how this should not have been your job to remember. (laughs) But you won't be too hard on her because tonight's a big night, and she's a really great kid, and you want it to be a, a happy occasion for her to know that you're proud as well because they're just pants that she should have remembered to put in a wash. But she's 12 and you often forget to do the stuff that you have to do and you're 42. So you do what moms do, even if you're grumbling to yourself as you press start on the washing machine, and even if you feel a twinge of joy, relief, happiness, that she still needs you because the years are flying by and she was like just in preschool about 11 minutes ago and it feels good to be a mom and save the day sometimes. So you wash the pants, and when she goes to get ready for the concert later in panic, saying, oh no, I forgot to make sure my black pants were clean, you say, don't worry, I took care of it. Because sometimes that's what being a mom of a middle schooler is all about. From Colossians 3.14, And above all these put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And we may add some prayers for middle school parents out there as well. Always a challenging age to go through as a kid and to, to go through as a parent as well. Glad hey, I think story. there was like yeah.
0: millions of women out there who said, get out of my head. That's so creepy. <laughs> wow, that was
3: great. Well, you know, that, that balance between tough love and, and, and love that's kind and, you know, maybe depends on the kind of day you're having as well as the, the kid as well. But, uh, I would always say, uh, you know, err on the side of love, right? Uh, it sounds good. If you'd like to hear that story again, you, you certainly can do that in podcast form on the Relevant Radio app or online at RelevantRadio.com or even on Facebook uh, every day uh, later in the morning. You'll find the uh, the text and audio at uh, Glenn Story Corner on Facebook. So you're welcome to it there. Plus, if you have suggestions, email them to... Morning air at relevantradio.com. Much more morning air to come. We've got Father Burke Masters going to talk about uh, a variety of things, including holy orders that's on the way and staying positive during the winter months with Ann Flynn. It's all coming up here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app.